James chapter 4. We're going to get there in just a minute. While you're finding that in this series, what we're doing, if you haven't been here, maybe your guest uh, with us today is we're, we're talking about family life. We're talking about family dynamics and, and relationships, and, and it's going to take us into Mother's Day. We're going to wrap this series up next Sunday on Mother's Day, uh, talking about these this family situations that we've been addressing. And, and again, uh, hey, if you're a mom, you just don't want to miss next week. It's going to be an exciting day, uh, so be sure and be here. Uh, but speaking of family, you know, when it comes to uh, family, when it, when it comes to family members, and we talked about this some last week, you know, that it, it just gets, you know, it gets a little weird because we discovered last week that every single one of you, now those of you that weren't here, we weren't talking about you behind your back, but what we discovered is for those of us that, that trudged through the floods last Sunday, right, when we got here, uh, we found out that we're all a little bit weird because only the weird people came to church in the flood last week. And so we learned last week we're all a little bit weird and we're all a little bit selfish that was you people that weren't here last week because you stayed home because a little rain kept you away. So we're all a little, we're all a little bit selfish, right? We're all a little bit uh, weird. And, and so uh, if you put a little bit of weird with a little bit of selfish, what do you get? Your family, <laughs> right? You get your family, you get my family. And so here's the deal. No family is perfect. And so we all exhale, right? Whew. No family is perfect. And so if you're looking at a, a family and you're going, man, I wish my family was like that. I wish my family dynamics was more like that one. Probably all you would have to do is go home with that family for a little while and you would run back to yours, right? Because, you know, none, none is, is perfect. We all have a little bit of dysfunction. But can I just tell you this? Perfection is not the goal, all right? Perfection is not the goal. Progress is the goal. And so that's what we want to do in these weeks that we're talking about this is can we just make a little progress in our families? Uh, I mean, none of us are, are going to be perfect because you're weird and selfish. And so none of us are going to be perfect. And so let's just agree to make a, a, a little progress. And so what I want to do today specifically is, is talk about the power of words in our families and in our relationships. And I know you've heard sermons uh, on, on this before, but, but I can't begin to express to you enough how many times I talk to people and, and so much damage and so much hurt is caused just by words that have been spoken. There's so much power in, in the words that we speak. Words have influence. Words impact not only our lives, but other people's lives in great ways. And words in our homes can do a lot toward building our families up. Words in our homes can do a lot toward going to us having a home sweet home. But our words can also cause destruction. Our words can also tear apart. Our, our words can also uh, cause us to have... All all kinds of stress and, and anxiety in our families as well. And, and I want you to think about this this morning. Maybe, maybe that one person in your family or in your relationship that really gets on your nerves and just wears you out, maybe that person is simply living up to the potential of the words that's been spoken to them. Maybe they're simply living up to the potential of the words that you've been saying about them or to them. 
Okay, and, and, and so uh, that, you know, in, in our families and in our homes and in our relationships, we've, we've got to, you know, th- what could happen today? What would happen in our homes and in our relationships uh, if today that we were going to decide to be people that speak words of life? to speak words uh, of love uh, to other people in our family, in our home, and in our relationships. And as I was thinking about this, uh, I thought about the coaches that I had throughout my life when I, I played sports. And those of you that know, you know I love sports. I loved to play sports as a kid when I was younger. And so coaches had a lot of influence on my life and in my life. And I began to think about why that was, uh, why that was the case. And, and, and it was, you know, coaches know how to motivate us, don't they? I mean, it's what they do. They motivate us to go further than we thought that we could go, right? And I had coaches that used a lot of different tactics to do this, but they would encourage you to do more than you ever thought you could do, to achieve more than you ever thought that you could achieve. And they would challenge us to to push on, to push a little harder. And as I thought about that, I thought, you know what? Coaches really understand this idea and this concept that work. Words have great power when it comes to influencing uh, the people. So we're in James chapter 4 again today and, and, and verse 11. And y'all, this is, this is not deep stuff, all right? This is just a simple idea, a simple reminder today to use our words to build people up rather than to use them to smack people down, right? And so we've been looking at James the past few weeks, and, and, and we've learned that James is writing this letter to a church, okay? These are church folks, They're church people, and, and there was a lot of turmoil going on. There was a lot of dysfunction uh, in the church, and so he's trying to help them to be healthy, right? Not, not, perfection's not the goal. Let's just make some progress, and so James trying to help them make some progress. Uh, but we've learned, what we've been learning while we're studying this is that this writing and what James is saying can help us in our own families. Help us in our families, help us in our, our homes, our relationships with other people. And here in verse 11, he gives us some great insight into the power of our words. He says this, Don't speak evil against each other, dearest brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, he says, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. And so what's James saying here? He's saying, don't speak evil against each other. He says, be careful with the words that you use. So the first principle today is one that I learned from my mother as a little bitty child. You better watch your mouth. (laughs) right? How many of you have heard your mama say that? You better watch that mouth. I'll mash it. You know, I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. (laughs) Bill Cosby said, make another one just like you. You know, no, it's no big deal. But, uh, you know, in the family, watching your mouth is hard, isn't it? it? It's hard. In the home and in the family. And for those of us who are parents, none of us really know what we're doing, do we? 
Some of you think you do, and your kids are rotten, but you don't, right? I mean, none of us really know, you know what we're doing. We had no training. We're just trying to figure it out as you go along. And, and you have one kid, and you know you think you, all, you got it all figured out because you've you know, got this kid up and in diapers, so hey, let, let's uh, out of diapers, and so hey, let's have another one because we got this all figured out now. And then you have one that like needs an exorcism from day one, and they're nothing alike. And you realize, you know, I still don't have this figured out. And then brothers and sisters in a house. Who gave you training to be a brother? Who gave you training to be a sister? Right? There is none. They don't teach that in school. They don't teach you how to share a bedroom, how to share a bathroom, you know, how, how to deal with the fact that you may have been raised in a... Matt Smith, bless his heart, told me, had how many sisters? Four? See here? Told me he had a bunch of sisters. He was the only guy. He said, never had hot water until I got married and moved out. You know? <laughs> Nobody teaches us how to deal with that. And so, you know, there's no training. The only people that I have found that have it all figured out, grandparents. <laughs> they got it figured out. That's why they smile all the time. Because they know you don't know. They know you don't have a clue. And what do they do? They come over to your house. They hand out a little money. They hand out some candy. They turn around and leave smiling you know because they know we've got it they've got it all uh, figured out they know that you don't know what you're doing and so that you know they give your kids chocolate and then they they giggling as they go out the door they're the only ones that know what they're doing but seriously in all of that there's tension in all of that Right? It's pretty easy to get to a place in the frustrations of family and, and relationships to where it's pretty easy for us to get to a place where we speak harshly to one another and, and say things that we probably shouldn't say. Now, when James says don't speak evil to one another, that, that word has really a broad meaning uh, here. It, it, it can imply several things. It can imply uh, lying to another person. Uh, it can imply gossiping to or uh, about uh, another person, uh, speaking harshly uh, to another person. It has a pretty broad meaning. It, it can even imply speaking negatively to or about leaders or people uh, of authority in our lives. And, and so it's really a broad application. And James is simply saying this, don't do it, Okay. Just don't do it. Watch your mouth because there's a better way. There's a better way to handle it. There's a better way to go about it uh, in our lives. But, but it's not that easy though, right? Because if everybody's a little weird and everybody's a little selfish and you mix all that together with the fact that none of us really know what we're doing, right? Think about it. It's a recipe for a bomb, right? It's a recipe for stress and tension and turmoil. And then studies show that we're often the most annoyed with what people in our family. Don't say wife. Huh? Don't say spouse. Wrong answer. We're most annoyed with the people in our family that are like us. Think about it. The people that get on your nerves the most, if you'll just turn around and look at the mirror, <laughs> that's why. They're you. You've created another little you. You don't even like you, and you made another one, <laughs> right? And they drive you absolutely crazy. 
<laughs> I read a survey that said, and, and I, I don't know if I put a lot of stock in this survey. This had to be taken in a Baptist church. I'm not sure. But it said that 75% of people have at least one person in their family that gets on their nerves. 75% of the people surveyed said at least one person in their family gets on their nerves. I'm thinking the 25% that said no is that person. That's the only thing I can come up with, right? It says not only does that one person get on their nerves, but it makes all the family gatherings really difficult and intense. And I'm like, that's my whole family, right? There's not just one. They're all crazy, except for the ones that are here today that are in my family. They're not. They're normal, right? And, and so it's easy in this environment that we live in, if we're honest, right? It, it's easy in this environment to want to let off some steam. Not, and not just to want to let off some steam. Sometimes we just feel like we've got to let off some steam. Right? And so it's easy in this environment to, to, to want to vent a little bit. It's really easy to go down that road, but James is saying, don't go down that road. Okay? He's saying, speak words that bring life into your family. Speak words that brings love into your families and your relationships rather than speaking evil against another. And one of the interesting things is this. He, he says this. James said, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. So, so what does that mean? Well, Jesus said in his teaching that the law could basically be summed up in two commands, right? Love God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so what I think James is saying to us here is when you speak against somebody, when you gossip against somebody or about somebody, when you lie to somebody, when you speak harshly to somebody, then what are you doing? You're violating the, this very core idea of loving God and loving others. You see what he's saying now? And, and, and so here's the deal. This is easier to talk about than do. And, and it's really hard for us to control it. I mean, it's easy for me to stand up here and preach and tell you this and yada, yada, yada. And then I'm going to go home to some crazy kids and I'm just going to want to yell at them every once in a while, right? Yeah, I mean, it's easier to say than do. That's why we're talking about it. But listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and verse 29. Uh, again, Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, all right? He's writing to church folks. Christians, followers of Jesus, and he has to write this. Don't use foul or abusive language <laughs> to the church. And some of you just thought, then what am I going to say? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but then he says this. Listen. He says, let everything that you say be what? Be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. This means don't go at each other, right? It, it doesn't help anything. It's not good for your heart. It's definitely not good for the other person. And y'all know I love you. This could be my last Sunday here, so I just may say some things that I feel like I need to say. But maybe there's some dads that are here today 
that need to set some boundaries in their homes when it comes to what we're talking about here. You know, some boundaries that say, you know what, in this house, the kids are not going to disrespect their mother. The kids are not going to talk back to their mother or raise their voice to their mother. And dads, I'm putting that on you. I'm putting that squarely on your shoulders. That's your job. Your kids should never raise their voice or speak with disrespect to your wife or their mother. And a great example would be if they never heard their daddy raise their voice or speak harsh words to their mother. That would be a great example. And ladies, I'm not leaving you out on this one either. Might as well make you all mad before I leave. I hadn't got the sign yet. Old Tim Carter just gave it to me. (laughs) But ladies, can I just tell you, if you're raising your voice and disrespecting your husband, don't be surprised when your children do the same. If you're not showing your husband their father respect, don't expect your kids to do it either. Or to show anyone else respect if they can't respect their father. Um, I love you, but a lot of times, uh, you know, the reason this goes on in our homes is because we allow it to go on in our homes. And God's word says, let everything you say be good and helpful, right? So that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And parents, I get it. I've been a parent. I know you can't control everything your child does. You can't control every word that is spoken, but you can create an environment that says we will treat each other with respect in this house. What might happen? What might our homes look like if we changed the environment in how we just simply used our words? toward one another. Words are so powerful. Speak words that build each other up rather than tear each other down. Because don't miss this. People will often rise up to the potential of the words that are being spoke to them. You keep telling your kid that he's sorry, your kid will be sorry. You keep telling your husband that he's worthless, your husband will be worthless. People rise up to the level of the words that are spoken to them and over them. And then James is going to challenge us with this next idea, and I think it's simply this. Be a fan and not a judge. Think about it. What would it be like if we were a fan and not a judge? Listen to what James says next here in verse number 12. He says, God alone who gave the law is the judge. So who's the judge? God is the judge. Do you know what that means? You're not. not. Exactly. You're not it. You're, You're not the judge. God is the judge, and he alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? And don't miss this here. Remember, James is writing to Christians. He's writing to the church. Followers of Jesus, and what's happening is is they're talking bad about each other. They're gossiping. They're backbiting. They're behind the back having little secret meetings and yeah, 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 yeah. Right? And James is like, stop. Stop it. 
God is God. We're not. God's the judge. We're not the judge. And so guess what? You have a choice this week. You have a choice. Are we going to be the judge and are we going to walk around issuing verdicts toward people? Saying destructive things, and, and when we say destructive things to one another, it's just like the gavel has dropped. We've issued the verdict. We're judge and jury. And you know what? Because I said it, you just got to take it. Because I said it, 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 it's the truth, and you need to accept it. And when we do that, when we play the judge, we can damage people and hurt people so deeply and not only that, but remember, people will rise up to the words that have been spoken to them and over them in their lives. So this week, we have a choice. What if this week in our homes, instead of that, instead of, you know, bringing the gavel down, the hammer down on everybody, we're going to show up and we're going to be fans. We're going to be their fans instead. We're going to find something to cheer about, to cheer on in our families and in our kids' lives. Lynette, she, uh, uh, my wife, she has had to remind me of this the, the whole time we were raising kids and, and, and even still today. It's not just what you say to them, but it's just as important what you say about them. And, and she'll remind me of how important it is to not only correct our kids, but to also tell them what they've done good. Because, see, we get in parent mode. We get in daddy mode, mommy mode. You need to stop this. You need to do this. You need to fix this. This isn't right. This isn't good. Yada, yada, yada. And we're constantly critiquing and being the judge when sometimes we just need to step back and say, you know what? You are doing a good job here. You're great at this. I love this, this spirit or the personality that you have and speak some positive things into their lives instead of always things that are tearing down and, and correcting. It's important that they know what they are doing right. And can I just tell you, parents, we should be the biggest fans of our children, right? We as parents should be our kids' biggest fans and cheerleaders in this entire world. And I'll tell you this, encouragement and positive words that come from a mom or dad mean more to that child than if they came from anywhere else. It means more to your child to hear positive and encouraging words come from you than to hear them from anybody else. It's huge. It's that important. We're not the judge, okay? God's the judge. We're not the ones that has all the answers. We've already determined that. You don't know what you're doing, all right? We don't have all the answers, but God has all the answers if we'll trust him. And, and so we can be each other's fans. We can cheer each other on, and we can begin that today. We can begin that right now to speak those words of encouragement to one another. And I promise you, when you do that, it will change the entire environment that you're living in. All right? Uh, and, and so words are so powerful. And, and I just want to say this. Because I realize, and I understand this, I talk to a lot of people that, that struggle. I, I realize that some of you may have grown up in homes, and you may have grown up in families where people spoke to you in really harsh and hurtful ways. And you may have had some really terrible things said to you uh, as a child. And some of you have carried those words that were spoken to you 
your entire life. We were watching a show the other night on TV, and it was one of those uh, pawn. I don't know why I'm on the Pawn Stars, y'all. I don't know why, but we were watching one of those shows, and they were talking to this lady, and this lady, while we were watching, I really wasn't paying attention to it. This lady had a really unique voice, and so uh, she made the comment while she was talking to these guys. She said, you know, I, I still remember the kids when I was in school, lady 60, probably 60, 70 years old. She said, I, I remember the kids in school used to make fun of me for the way I talked and the way my voice sounded. And Lynette said, did you hear that? She's carried that all her life. She still remembers kids making fun of her in school for something that was different about her. And so I understand that some of you carry that, and that's happened to some of you. And I just want, but I just want to encourage you with this thought. Those people, whoever they were, maybe it was your mom, maybe it was your dad, I want you to listen to what James is saying to us here. They had no right. They had no right to do whatever it is or say whatever they said. They had not no right because what does it say? God is the judge, right? It's not our place. It wasn't their place. And listen, we as the church, we got to get this right. God is the judge. We've been called to love, encourage, walk with, accept people that other people might not want to accept. We're here to lead people to Jesus, <laughs> right? That's our job. We're here to lead people to God. We believe in God's word and, and the Bible, and we want God to help people with their sin. We want people to live with hope in their life. We want people to live a holy life. We want people to go to heaven and not to hell. But listen, we don't police people around here. We're not the judge. God is the judge. And if we did police people around here, you'd have to tithe a lot more because we'd have to hire at least one, if not two more full-time staff people just to monitor your Facebook post. Some of you check in at church on Sunday and check in the bar on Friday. We ain't got time for that. It ain't my business. But I just tell you, God's here and he's not at the bar. Just telling you. So be careful where you're checking in. But we're not, we're not the judge. God, God's the judge, okay? Uh, we, we just want to lead people to God and let them grow in their faith, at their own pace, to get uh, you know to a place in their own life where God convicts them of their sin. See, that's what's important: that God convicts people of their sin, not to a place where we convict people of their sin, because that will never work. Okay, it, it would just never ever work. When I stand up here and tell people what they need to do, like I, some of you today, you're like, "Ah, oh, he's all up my business. Ain't none of his business, right?" Well, it probably isn't because when I tell people. Uh, something that I think they need to do in their life, do you know how much difference that makes in their life? Not much. Not much at all. But when God's Spirit does it, it's different. It's different. When God's Spirit does it, you start seeing people make some real changes <laughs> in their lives. 
and in their families. And, and so we must be the kind of church that gives people the room to journey with God and make mistakes just like you did, right? Just like I did. We all were saved from something, and I was pretty sorry, and I knew some of you, and you were too, right? <laughs> and we've been saved from that, and so we got to give people to make that same journey that we made. God will take care of it. He's the judge. We're just here to be on the journey with them and encourage and that doesn't mean, don't get me wrong, you, somebody will go say, oh, he's preaching, you know, Joel Osteen, whatever. But I'm not saying anything bad about Joel Osteen. Those of you that like him, he's just really happy, I, you know. <laughs> but we're not going to compromise the Bible. All right, can I just say that? We're not going to compromise the message. We're not going to compromise the, 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 the gospel. But what I'm saying is, it simply means that we have to give people the space and the compassion to let God do his work uh, in their lives. Uh, so we want to be a fan more than we want to be a judge. Uh, and then the last thing this morning, some of you are like, good, I'm glad this is about over. Uh, but, but we, hey, we can't skip this. I've been given the sign, but I, I can't skip over this. We got to do this. Remember God's mercy. We have got to remember God's mercy. You know, how many of you have been looking for your cell phone and you're just going crazy and you're all in a panic and then you realize you're talking on it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> I actually seen people going, I can't find my phone anywhere and they're just looking, you know? <laughs> Sometimes we forget we've got something when it's always been there. You know, and, and listen, I've been working on our church's year-end reports. We just finished out a year, and, and uh, so we're, we're in the process of getting reports and all the numbers together to see what kind of year we had. And, and hopefully I'll be able to share some of that with you o over the next few weeks uh, at some point. But I'm, I'm just going to tell you, I am amazed at what God has done through our church. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And years like we've just had and years that we've seen in the past are good for us to remember, all right? It's a good thing for us to remember, not because we've got it all together or maybe uh, we know what we're doing, because if you've been around here very long at all, you know that we most of the time don't know what we're doing, right? But it's because God is good and God has it all together and his mercy is bigger than anything that we could ever possibly do on our own. I mean, we can't even find our phone half the time, okay? So we need God's help. We need his mercy. We need his grace every single day of our lives and it's that mercy and his grace that we remember that will motivate us to go on and do what he's called us to do and I want to share with you a great uh, verse uh, with you from the book of Titus chapter 3 this might need to be your family scripture for the upcoming summer if you have children you might want to consider this you might want to print this off put it on your refrigerator because this is awesome Titus chapter 3 verse 2 through 5 and I love the way the message says it. No insults, no fights. Can you imagine what summer break would be like? Huh? No insults and no fights. It, it would be so awesome. God's people should be big hearted and courteous. Because don't forget, remember, it wasn't so long ago that we ourselves were stupid and stubborn, right? 
dupes of sin, ordered every which way by our glands, going around with a chip on our own shoulder, hated and hating back. But when God, our kind and loving Savior God, stepped in, he saved us all from that. It was all his doing. We had nothing to do with it. Right? I love this passage so much. It says it's all about God's grace. It's all about God's mercy. And oh, by the way, don't you forget about that. Don't forget when God saved you. Don't forget what God saved you from. Because oh, by the way, when you'll think back to who you were before God came into your life, and when God saved you and what he saved you from, you'll have a little more compassion on people that don't know Christ. You'll show a little more kindness to people who haven't met God yet. And when we remember that, we'll be more compassionate towards others and show more kindness towards others when we remember God's mercy in our own lives, right? Maybe like we talked about last week, we just uh, pause, take a deep breath, four seconds, and we pause before we flame somebody with our words, <laughs> before we let that torch that is in our mouth shoot the flames. Just take a death, a deep breath and remember, my words are powerful. My words are so very powerful and I need to use them to build people up and encourage them rather than to be the judge and tear people down. The words we say have the potential to do so much damage. But on the flip side of that, or so much good. To encourage people in ways that they never could have imagined. What would it be like in your home if you helped someone there to see something in their life positive that they may have never seen before? Maybe uh, to help them... Uh, have a dream to do something that they never dreamed that they could do, to believe that they can do things that they never believed in themselves that they could do, to know that God isn't finished with them and God has a perfect plan and a purpose for their lives. Listen, our tongue is a powerful thing. Someone once said this, you're the master of the words you don't use. You're a master of the words you don't use, and you're a servant to the words that you do use. There is so much truth in that. You're the master of the words that you don't use, but you're a servant to the ones that you do use. And so we want to use them wisely in our homes, in our families, and in our relationships. And a simple change in the words that we speak to one another this week, can I just tell you, it can have a profound effect on the environment that you're living in. Your family may never be perfect, but your family can make progress. And I believe that you can have a home sweet home if the words that you speak will be a little sweeter as well. Let me pray for you. Dear God, I just want to thank you today for your word. It is so powerful, but it's also so beautiful that it encourages us. It's, it's like it, it is. It's coming from our dad. It's coming from our heavenly father. And 
you're encouraging us. You're, 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 you're speaking some, some things into our lives here that you know will help us. You know it's good for us. And so you give us, like we talked about last week, you give us this playbook to live by. And so, God, I pray today that they didn't hear my words, but they heard your words that you were speaking into their lives and their homes and their families and all their relationships. Uh, because we can make such a huge impact with the words that we speak or the words we don't speak. So, God, help us today as we leave here. Help us as we go home. Help us as we go to work to uh, be reminded of this message. And, and, and we can't change ourselves. We can't change our words, but your spirit in us can. Your spirit in us can give us the power and the help that we need to be able to do this because I know me and I can't. And so I pray that I would be aware of your spirit at work in my life and, and that I would allow you to change me and, and make me into who you want me to be. God, my prayer today is just that we would make progress. And we need you to help. And we thank you for being our help. And thank you for loving us even when we don't always do the right thing. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before I dismiss you, I want to share with you the election results from the ballots that have been cast this morning. You have elected to a three-year term uh, to serve on the board. Tim Carter, Justin Cooper, Dusty Hodge, Chase Graham. And uh, we're blessed. We thank you for that. You have elected, uh, you have approved the delegates to uh, attend district assembly to represent our church with 154 yes and two no. There's always a no. I love y'all. God bless you. Have a great day.